uh, of Scripture. Uh, So whether in your Bible or on the screen, follow along uh, as I read. Here's what it says. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So this charge was given by Jesus to his followers after he had resurrected from the dead and before ascending uh, to heaven. Of all of the reasons that we can give for why the church exists and what it's supposed to be doing, there is none more important than this one. This is our central responsibility. It is the foundational responsibility upon, what, uh, upon which all other responsibilities of the church rest. It is called the Great Commission. Make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything that Christ commanded. This is our charge. This is our mission. It includes everything from evangelism and conversion through to discipleship and sanctification and church discipline and everything that the church is called to do. Christian, we are called to make a difference in the world by participating in the Great Commission. And central to this mission is the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to look at the gospel in more detail here in a minute. But stated simply, the gospel is the message of who Jesus is and what he did. Who Jesus is and what he did is good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ is simply the good news of Jesus Christ. And the gospel is of central importance for Christians because in order to participate in the Great Commission, we must believe the gospel and we must share the gospel. Participation in the Great Commission requires that someone believe the gospel message And it requires that we share the gospel message. So I've called today's message, Make a Difference by Believing and Sharing the Gospel. Uh, I want to spend the next few minutes talking about what the gospel is, what it uh, is that we mean when we say we believe the gospel, and then I'll spend a few more minutes talking about sharing the gospel. So first, what do we mean when we talk about believing the gospel? What is it that we're committed to believing when we say that we believe the gospel? Uh, The gospel is a term in Scripture that encompasses many, uh, many things. In Scripture, the gospel is sometimes used in reference to all of the benefits of belonging to the kingdom of God. Up to and including that day when creation is freed from its bondage to decay renewed and remade that day when the entire cosmos is redeemed from its fallen condition. So all of that is in view when we talk about the gospel. Kevin DeYoung calls that the wide-angle lens of the gospel. Matt Chandler, these are 
uh, two preachers and authors that I uh, just very impressed by in recent years. Matt Chandler calls that the gospel in the air. This is what is primarily in view when we talk about the phrase, the gospel of the kingdom. It is the rule and reign of God from the present time all the way up to that time when the entire creation is renewed and restored. But in scripture, the gospel is also used in a much more specific way. And that is in reference to the personal blessing of forgiveness of sins and restored relationship with God through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. The young calls that the zoom lens on the gospel. Chandler calls that the gospel on the ground. And as we refer to the broader sense of the gospel as the gospel of the kingdom, we might refer to this narrower sense of the gospel as the gospel of the cross. Both of these things, the wide-angle lens and the zoom lens, the in the air and the on the ground, these are all parts of the gospel, uh, the good news of Jesus Christ. And the way that these things work together is that the gospel of the cross is the gate through which the blessings of the kingdom of God are obtained. You and I will never experience all of the blessings of the kingdom of God, including the renewed earth, until we have first experienced the good news of the cross of Jesus Christ. And perhaps that is why the blessing of forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ is so frequently referred to as the gospel in the New Testament when no other singular blessing of the kingdom of God is referred to that way. So when we speak of the gospel, all of this is in view. But what is primarily in view when we speak of the gospel as seen in the New Testament is the zoom lens on the ground gospel of forgiveness of sins through the sacrificial death of Jesus Christ. If you want to make a difference in the world by participating in the Great Commission, you must believe that gospel. You must believe the gospel of the cross, the good news of the cross of Jesus Christ. Here's what the Apostle Paul had to say about the gospel. It's, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 5. He writes, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. So Paul says this is the gospel that he preached. He says it is the gospel by which you are saved. This gospel you are saved. He says that this is the gospel that is of first importance. And then he defines it. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. He was buried and he was raised on the third day. 
Of course, implied in this is also the life of Christ. Hebrews 4 tells us that during his life, Christ was tempted in every way that we are tempted, and yet he never sinned. So believing the gospel, believing the good news, is believing in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Christ's sinless life is good news Christ's life, I'm sorry, is good news because it was a sinless life, which is the only kind of life that could satisfy God's righteous demands and pay the debt that our sin had earned for us. Christ's death is good news because in his death, he paid our penalty. He died in our place. He took our punishment. And Christ's resurrection is good news because through his resurrection, we know that our debt was paid in full. There remains no more debt outstanding for any of us to pay. Jesus paid it all. And his resurrection proves that our debt is gone. The penalty has been satisfied. This is the God. This is the gospel, excuse me. This is the good news. This is what we must believe. This is what we must believe if we're going to make a difference by participating in the Great Commission. So maybe you ask Brian, why is this such good news? It's good news because the Bible teaches that our sin, which is simply our refusal to submit to God, our refusal to be obedient to God, Our insistence on having our own way and living however we choose. Those actions, our sin, has separated us from God and earned us a debt with God that we can never repay and that will result in our eternal separation from him. Isaiah 59 teaches that our sins have separated us from God. Romans 6 tells us, that the wages of sin is death. The gospel, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is good news because it is the answer for our sin problem. It is the answer for our debt problem. It is the answer for our separation and death problem. Romans 6.23 starts off giving us bad news for the wages of sin is death. But then, because of Christ's life, death, and resurrection, it ends with really good news. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's good news because it saves us from the penalty of sin. It saves us from separation from God. It saves us from death. That's what the gospel of Jesus Christ does. That is the good news of Christ and his cross. It's the gospel. The good news. If you're here this morning never having responded to the gospel, the good news of Christ's life, death, and resurrection, you can respond today. I appeal to you to respond today. I'm not going to tell you it's easy to respond, it's not easy. Because it requires you to be honest about yourself. It requires you to face some truths about yourself that you maybe have been trying to avoid. It requires when we respond to the gospel that we agree with God against ourselves. 
we agree with God that we are wrong. It requires that we admit that we have dethroned God and set ourselves up on the throne that he rightly uh, sits upon. So it's not easy to do this. But it is easy to understand how we can do it. The, the gospel is a simple message. Responding to the gospel is a simple message. We respond to the gospel and receive the benefits of the gospel, forgiveness of sins and eternal life, by first recognizing our need of the gospel. We agree with God that we are sinners. First John 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us of every wrong. If we see ourselves rightly as sinners, as people who have rebelled against God, understanding that that deserves death, if you've done that, if you see that, if you recognize that, you've admitted that, then you have taken the first step to responding to the gospel, and that is the recognition that you need a Savior. And once you recognize that you need a Savior, then the next thing is you simply need to recognize that, recognize that Christ is that Savior and turn to Him in faith. Romans 10 tells us that if, we can, uh, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Once you've recognized your need of a Savior and recognized Jesus is that Savior, then you simply ask Him to be your Savior. You ask Him to apply the benefits of His life, death, and resurrection to you. And when you ask from a sincere heart, then the truth of John 3.16 becomes your reality. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. When you ask in faith, The Bible gives us absolute assurance that we then receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life. This, friends, is how you respond to the gospel. This is how you receive the benefits of the gospel, forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And some of you here today need to respond to the gospel. You need to say yes to Jesus. He's been calling you for a while and you've been resisting. But today he is asking you to to give up your fight, to give up your resistance and to say yes to him, to turn to him in faith and to receive the blessing of forgiveness of sins and eternal life. For all of us here today who call Christ Savior and Lord, if we are going to make a difference by participating in the Great Commission, then all that I've just shared is what we must believe. You must believe the gospel to participate in the Great Commission. This central responsibility that Christ has given his church. Listen, I'm I'm not going to go into it in great detail today, but many people in the time that we live in, have decided that the church's primary mission is something other than the Great Commission. They have decided that the church's primary mission is caring for creation. They have decided that the church's primary mission is just to be another social service organization among many other social service organizations. They have decided that 
the church's mission is fixing up neglected parks and fighting injustice wherever it can be found. And they so believe these things that they will often talk about these things and then say that is what the church really ought to be doing. Now hear me well today. All of those things are good things. All of those things are valuable things that Christians and churches ought to give themselves to. But friend, none of those things are the central mission of the church. That is the great commission. Too many Christians have turned to those things instead of the great commission. I'm suspicious it's because they have lost confidence in the gospel message. Or worse yet, they have rejected the gospel message. But if you're going to make a difference by doing what Christ told us to do, you and I, we must believe this gospel as Paul described it, this gospel of first importance. And you must not only believe it, you must share it. Here is an incontrovertible truth about sharing the gospel. It flows out of truly believing the gospel. A person will never share the gospel message if they don't actually believe the gospel message. Which is why so many Christians have convinced themselves that the gospel is something other than the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. They don't believe it. They're, they are embarrassed of it. And this is not a new problem. This has always been a problem. Paul told us in 1 Corinthians 1 that the gospel is a stumbling block to Jews. And it is foolishness to Gentiles. Most of us here are Gentiles. It's foolishness to us. Foolishness. Today we're told often by self-proclaimed Christians that the message of the cross, the gospel, is barbaric. And it is unbelievable for a civilized people. Paul faced the same objections. And here's what he concluded in 1 Corinthians 1.18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Friends, it, it, it honestly doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. The gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel of the cross, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it is what must be believed to be saved. It, it is what the church must believe. It is the message that the church must share if we are to accomplish the Great Commission, and sharing the gospel flows out of truly believing the gospel. So here's a question. It's a rough question. I beat myself up with this question all week, so you can handle it for a single hour. What does it say about us if we're not sharing the gospel? If we are not sharing the gospel, can we truly say 
that we believe the gospel? I mean, wouldn't believing the gospel necessitate sharing the gospel? Wouldn't it? I mean, if we really believe that the wages of sin is death, and people will be separated from God forever apart from Christ, And if we really believe that because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, people can be saved from that awful fate of death, forgiven of their sins, and receive eternal life, then doesn't believing that demand that we share that? So if we're not sharing it, what does it say about us? Penn Gillette of the famous Las Vegas act, Penn and Teller, is a well-known atheist. He uh, is uh, in a video that's been on the internet for a few years now. Many of you have probably seen it. But in the video, he discusses Christians sharing their faith. Keep in mind, he's, he's an atheist. More accurately, he's discussing Christians not sharing their faith. And here's a great question that he posed in that video. He asked, how much do you have to hate somebody to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? And so if we're not sharing the gospel, why not? I can only think of a few options. There, there may be more, but I, I only thought of a few. And friends, there's not one of them that's any good. One option is we don't really care whether people are saved or not. Another option is that we don't really believe the gospel. Another option is that we're ashamed of the gospel. And maybe you're thinking, Brian, you need to be more gracious than that. There are other possibilities here, such as... I feel uncomfortable trying to share the gospel. I want to, but I'm afraid to. Now listen, I have my, myself in the crosshairs here today. For those of you who maybe find public speaking to be really uncomfortable, you may not be able to relate to this, but for me, it's much easier to share the gospel right here to lots of people than it is one-on-one. And so I'm in the crosshairs here today too. But here's how I would respond to that appeal for us to be a little more understanding of our inability to share the gospel. I think I'd just say, really? Really, that's that's the excuse we're going with? People are dying, going to hell. We know how they can avoid that and receive eternal life instead. And our answer, which by the way, we need to keep in mind that this is the answer we'll need to give when we stand before God in judgment... Our answer is, I was uncomfortable and afraid. And you know what's going to happen. Like, in the line up to judgment, we're going to be right behind the guy who, like, had his tongue cut out for sharing the gospel. And then we'll be next and say, well, I didn't want that to happen, so I just didn't say anything. Awkward. (laughs) How did I get this spot in line? I I wanted the spot behind the the loser Christian. (laughs) 
Yeah, you're in it. That's good. The next guy's very thankful for his spot in line. Just for the record, that's not like a real strong uh, biblical explanation of how judgment's going to work. But you, you, you understand what I'm doing there. I was uncomfortable and afraid. Well, 1 Peter 3.15 gives us some good advice on how not to be uncomfortable and afraid. Here's what it says. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. And I have no doubt that there's at least one smart aleck in the audience that is saying, see, they have to ask first. Actually, no. It's just that I don't have time to preach the whole Bible. But there are plenty of places in Scripture that give us the responsibility to tell, to share, to bear witness. These uh, admonitions consistently appear uh, in Scripture. So the relevant thing from this passage in uh, 1 Peter 3.15 is this. Always be prepared to give an answer for the hope you have. Listen, I am sympathetic. I, I, I understand that many of us are afraid of sharing our faith. But I would like to suggest that we could overcome our fear, at least go a long way in overcoming our fear, by following this advice and preparing ourselves in advance for the opportunities that are going to come to give the reason for our hope. Every Christian, I believe, should prepare themselves to be able to share the gospel message in a way that is natural and comfortable for them. And here's the thing. You don't need us to do a special class to do this. You, you honestly don't. You just need to think through a few things. Think through how you can tell someone in just a few minutes about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Go to a few Bible verses. Commit a few of them to memory. Romans 6.23 is a great one to commit to memory. It gives you the bad news and the good news in one short little verse. You just give a little bit of effort to preparing how you'll share about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Then give a little bit of effort to preparing how you will uh, share with someone how they might respond to the gospel. You know, recognize your need of a Savior. Recognize Jesus is that Savior Ask and receive. And that's, really, that's really all you need to be prepared for. Those four things. Look at some Bible verses that support that. Verses we've shared today. Commit some of those to memory. Prepare to tell the story of how you came to believe that. And prepare how you'll share that this isn't just a nice thing for you. But in a loving and, and respectful way. Share how you believe this is the only answer and the only hope. For the whole world. Many of you are already prepared to share your faith in that way. But if you can't do that, if you're not prepared, then I encourage you to spend some time preparing to give an answer for the hope that you have. And here's the thing it may not completely disappear. In fact, I can almost tell you it won't. I can tell you it won't. But the comfort, or the discomfort and the fear will lessen may not disappear, but they will lessen. You, you know the difference between going to school prepared for the test and unprepared for the test, right? You feel completely different. Uh, it will lessen. So we've been commissioned by Christ himself to make disciples of all nations, 
to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and to teach them to obey everything that Christ has commanded. To do this, we must believe and we must share the gospel. And so here's part of my prayer for us today as a church, that all of us here who say that Christ is our Savior and Lord would really, and I mean deep down really, believe the gospel. And that we would deep down believe it so much that we would share it. You want to make a difference in the world? There's no more important way to do it than to believe and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we truly believe it, sharing it is going to naturally flow out of that. Finally, I'm hoping that someone here today, maybe more than one person, maybe a couple of you or three of you or several of you, will respond to the gospel for yourself. That you'll recognize your need of a Savior. That you'll recognize that Jesus is that Savior. That you will ask Him to save you. And that you will receive the blessing of forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Why don't you stand?